inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Outlook. It is the first of June. Oh and yeah. And here we are, back for another month. How you been, Carrie? Welcome back to Outlook, everybody. Uh, I've been pretty good. You know, just laying low. <laughs> I think the best thing to do in these times is just to let things play out see how they go but um yeah i've just been writing and it the weather's like the way you'd like to talk on the show it's been crazy it was so hot i already turned on my ac but now it's back to being cool so that's good with me yeah it's gonna be cool again for a few days i gotta get my air conditioning put in actually i still haven't had it in here but the heat doesn't seem to bother me quite as much as you i don't eventually i do need it but yeah but uh yeah for me i don't know i've just been pretty much staying in um, focusing on my music radio show that I do here on Fridays and this show, yeah. updating my iCloud library with music and, uh, yeah, not too much, but, uh, it's good to be back and yeah. today we're going to be discussing a film called Code of the Freaks. Um, perhaps you wanted to tell me a little bit about how you found out about this film to begin with. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch it. Right. Um, I don't know if you happen to know about an official release or how that's working, but right now I think, how did you hear about it originally? And Yeah, I'm not sure how it's ha- how that works. So, um, Code of the Freaks was aired, I guess it was last week, Um so it's a documentary that normally would have been shown in person uh, in Toronto at what is called Real Abilities Film Festival that happens every year. And uh, so it's real is um, spelled R-E-E-L. Uh, but it's a film festival that um, travels all over. It's big in, in California and different places. In, in yeah, I was US. reading New York is what they were talking about. But. Yeah, New York had a premiere of it, I guess. Um, because what I read, there was a premiere of it at the end of March, but I think it was probably a virtual premiere because at that point probably everything too, was closed yeah. yeah um but that's not when you saw it you said you just saw it last week yeah so that's what's cool about uh, not cool but you know like some of the i guess quote-unquote silver linings of this pandemic is a lot of stuff is moving online and it's becoming accessible in a different way um you know for people who are very outgoing and, and social people that you know that's you know not not the way they want to do it but um i i don't mind um it aired it would have aired in Toronto here in May. So it makes its debut in New York. Oh, okay, so I think March. yeah, New York was back in March and then yeah. it just debuted in Toronto uh, last yes, week. Yes, it did. Yeah, so... Um, so how did you find out about it, Code of the Freaks, to begin with? So I follow the Real Abilities Film Festival's Facebook page and they had an announcement on there that for one night they were going to air these do- a few documentaries from this film festival from their film festival and uh, you had to 
email them and get on their list. And then they sent you a, a direct link, some direct links to the film. Um, and so it's like a zoom thing, right? Like you have a code and you have to tap on it. And um, there were a couple of, uh, so there was another movie uh, about deafness that I didn't get to watch. Uh, I think sort of a satire-ish sort of thing about a, a man who's deaf and what his life is like and how voyeuristic it is it can be to you know to wonder how somebody who's deaf can do sort of the everyday things that we all do um but i didn't get to that one but i did get to this code of the freaks one and um as someone who enjoys film criticism you know film critiquing and th- sort of things i i thought it would be a good documentary to check it out and so basically there was an option to watch the movie as it was or you could watch one with um obviously it's a it's a film festival for documentaries and, and films about disability type related issues so they they offered everything you need there right there was closed captioning and there was also a separate track if you wanted the movie with audio description or ad as it's called so that's the one i ended up going with uh so i just clicked through at the time and it was actually um available i, I watched it again the next day uh made some notes for this show so it was available for 24 hours if you went to that link yeah, and um, I did. I did look spot. online to see, and it doesn't look like it's been officially put out yet, as it just premiered. So maybe at some point it will be. Um, I did I notice. Know, I did notice I they um, they fund they used a Kickstarter for fundraising for a lot of this film. Um, right. And I also yep. read that it took thirteen years in total for all the research and everything that went into this. Yep, um, that's the thing with some of this stuff. You know, it's hard to get it made. It's hard. It, and these it, are. That's why they have these film festivals. For, focusing all on disability issues because yeah these aren't big hollywood movies that have no tons of like a large budget so and i don't see michael moore making a movie about disability so far so you know it it, other filmmakers are going to take up that mantle and want to produce something like this uh and uh obviously there's ways like kickstarter to you know get that done but um yeah i just thought I thought we should. I thought we should talk about it, just because it's an interesting film that you actually didn't see, but that's all right because you have. <laughs> you can interview me in a way, and we can talk about it. So. Yeah, it would have been kind of nice to see it. You didn't mention it when it was happening last week. I don't quite. I don't think. But um, did you have to pay yeah. to watch it, or was this a? Did you just have to? Yeah, yeah I should have. Right? I should have maybe let you in on the on the whole thing. I didn't know if you'd be interested anyway. But um, no, it didn't cost me anything. Hmm, that's nice. So that was nice. All right, well, how about we listen to the trailer just to give people a few clips from the from the documentary, and then after that, we will talk about it in greater detail. Sure. A movie that I like. No, I can't name it. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty short list. I think that the image the, the screen image is the sole definer for the general population of disability. There are a lot of stereotypes of disability in the movies, and in fact, there's nothing but. How people are represented, of course, is not the decision of the community. It's the writer, the filmmaker, the actors even. What life? I got no life! I'm in the dark here! Killing disabled people is a happy ending. Curing disability is meant to be a happy ending. Institutionalizing is meant to be a happy ending. People are always wanting to show little people is magical. It seems as if 
That's the first thing blind people want, is to feel your face. I don't know, I've just never had that happen to me. The evildoer, of course, is disfigured. I think somewhere in the dark reptilian part of our brains, we think, well, evildoers must be ugly. Our job as disabled people is to become in a position of enough power to be able to, to input into that imagery. Most people feel that to be able to think about a movie as you're seeing it is destroying your ability to enjoy the movie. And I would argue that it enhances your ability to enjoy the movie. All right, so that trailer gives you a bit of an idea of what the film's about, but I'm also going to quickly read this synopsis here to give... I just want to acknowledge that I love the percussion in that film. You can hear it in the trailer. It's very percussion-focused. Yeah, so it was like that throughout the rest of the film, too. It, yep, so that was the basic sort of soundtrack hmm. throughout the film. Yeah, so I'm pretty cool. Um, and maybe briefly, just mention at the very beginning of that video, um, it kind of cuts in weird on the trailer, but they're referring to um, the question being, have you ever seen, can you think of any films that portray disability in a positive <laughs> well, way? Well, <laughs> I like it. They asked that. That was right at the end of the documentary. So all of the, so basically it's just a bunch of um, scholars, historians, and disability advocates who give their thoughts on, the, on all the movies over the last hundred oh, I years. I guess I was supposed to read the synopsis here. Maybe I should do that. Sure. Go ahead. Um, before we get into more details there, I just, the way that trailer cut in, I wanted to kind of explain that to the listeners, but, um, mm -hmm. anyway, so Code of the Freaks presents a radical reframing of the use of disabled characters in film using hundreds of clips spanning over 100 years of movie making and a cast of disabled artists, scholars, and activists. It's a scorching critique of some of Hollywood's most beloved characters. This revelatory documentary investigates the power of movie imagery to shape the beliefs and behaviors of the general public toward disabled people and of disabled people towards themselves. Drawing its title from a line from Todd Browning's notorious 1932 film, Freaks, Code of the Freaks debunks well-worn tropes. The miracle cure, the blind guy driving a car, the magical little people, the face feelers, the sexless, the better off dead, and brings an entirely fresh perspective. It dares to imagine a cinematic landscape that centers the voices of disabled people. There you go. Yeah, so... That was well summed up. That does sum it up very well. That's why I wanted to read that <laughs> on air. And it touches on some, um, some really good points, I would say. Um, yeah, you know, I want to know the first thing. So I'd never heard of the movie Freaks. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge movie buff. I don't, I don't watch all of cinema, but movies have been around for, well, over a hundred years, but about a hundred years now. Um, and so movies from the thirties are obviously going to be different than movies that are made now. Uh, I have a few favorites that are old, old movies. Some people can't stand watching any old movie, but, uh, I think maybe we should check this one out someday. <laughs> Um, but might need description. Uh, but yeah, 
what you know what the first thing I thought of was when I watched um, they played a clip from Freaks in the documentary Code of the Freaks, and uh, I'd never even heard of it. I don't think, but there's a scene where so, where the one character yells "Freaks" at all of these basically circus performers. So you know the kinds that you'd see in a freak show in the eighteen eighties. You know the bearded woman. Um, you know, dwarfs, as they were called, little people, uh, things like that. So basically, the one character shouts that all, at, at the characters. And what it made me think of is, if anybody's what, um, read the Harry Potter books, there's a scene, uh, a flashback scene with um, Harry's mother when she's a girl going off to school and her sister, Petunia, uh, Petunia's sister, uh, Petunia the sister. And they're like 11 or 12 years old, these girls. And so... Lily's going to get on the train, and her sister just shouts out "freak" at her. Right, and it's right? again, it's in that in that book, it's the the uh, magical. It's wizards, people. yeah. Wizards that are, are looked at as yeah, but it's still it's still out. related. It's still comparable. Um, and I just that's what immediately came to me when I heard that line. So. Yeah. So what again? Quickly, what I was going back to from the very beginning of that trailer too was how the question had been. Have can you think of any Hollywood movies that depict disabilities in a positive light, or that you that you enjoyed, or you thought were um, <laughs> educational? And that's again, you said that came up at the end of the documentary that they actually, they asked that question. Yeah, that was the, that was basically the last thing that was covered at the end. Basically, after showing for an hour or more, showing clips of like I said of characters in movies, they're everywhere, even when it's not you know very blatant. Um, and it's a lot of the movies I saw, I have seen, and a lot I haven't. So, I have this. I have a list of all the movies that were sort of referenced in that movie, that documentary. We could go through them all, but again, some have bigger parts in them uh, with uh, um, focusing on disability than others. But like, yeah, I mean, if you think of Harry Potter or magical sort of um, fantasy stories, a lot of them with you know Lord of the Rings, they have dwarves, they have elves, they have little people of different. Um, very variations and um all the way to you know fictional stories but yet with real characters like of course miracle worker came into mind scent of a woman uh rain man some of the bigger movies with some of the bigger characters but yes yeah, so i think it, a yeah good... that's an interesting question though and basically i i love a lot of these movies but yet i still want to acknowledge that they have problematic depictions in them yeah uh, one film that i thought of um that i remember you watching back in the day i don't know if it came up in this movie at all it was a little bit different the the plot but was um was it called at at first sight i think yeah um yeah they didn't bring that up in this movie but in the documentary but i thought of it of course now that movie you saw quite a quite a while ago and that was about someone who was blind getting their sight back i think yeah Um. so Basically, it's one of those times where blindness is seen as this weird thing to this. So it's a romance story. So the woman's sighted and the man's blind. So it's a bit of a, they have a relationship. And like you said in that quote there, um, one of the tropes of disability is asexuality. You know, showing sex between disabled characters or one character who's disabled. Showing a sec- that they have sex lives, right? Or if you're um, blind, it's like you can't see. So how would you be attracted to someone? Attracted, exactly. <laughs> that might be someone's stereotypical right. response. But at first sight is one of those ones where she comes in and, and she's interested because he's an interesting 
man and she's never really met a blind man and and there, there is an attraction he's attracted she's attracted um but it ends up becoming a, a sort of a savior movie where she wants to find him a cure so he can see again yeah so and this is actually how do you handle that yeah i wanted to go through these one by one and see if we had if you had examples of movies these tropes that they refer to that um code yeah. of the freaks debunks and the first one on the list is the miracle cure which is yeah. seems like that kind of ties into at first sight where this guy does get his sight back, but I don't, I don't think, I think it, it wasn't easy, right? Like, it's one of those things that we, we've discussed before. If you yeah, lived, if you don't have your sight and then you just magically were able to get it back, or if there was a cure, I mean, there are some th- things out there depending on the level of vision, but there's obviously yeah. nothing specific out there that really works. Um, but if you had never seen and then you do get to, it's, it's not easy. It's not like you just see and it's like, oh, yeah, everything's here. It's like your brain doesn't understand it. It can be... It could be yeah. scary. It could be painful. It could be too much to handle. Um, but in the movies, they think, oh, like the general conception. It would make a good story. It it makes a good story. Yeah. Full of drama. Right. And of course, like you said, it's any any able-bodied um, director or writer, screenwriter or actor might think that's totally what reality is like. But for a lot of blind people, especially those who have been blind all their lives, that's not... So in the movie, he wants to, I think in a way he wants to please her and he's also curious, but yet it ends up that he does it more for her and the sighted world when really he had he it all really. worked out before she came into his life. He had a life going. He knew what he was doing and he got around and he, you know, and then all of a sudden she comes in and, and brings him a whole set of different, you know, relationship stressors and, and wanting to be part of the sighted world when really the point of um, this movie freaks kind of comes back to that right it's sort of twisting the narrative so it's Code not of the a freaks movie. or freaks freaks oh you're talking the one from 1930 from the 30s basically right like it's not it's about um circus performers um and a lot of them have deformities from birth uh and then some of them but then there's the other side uh, these characters cleopatra um who <laughs> who is a circus performer she's a trapeze artist and uh she is technically able-bodied and she's beautiful so she's you know the able-bodied beautiful character who sort of <laughs> goes after the uh, one of the disabled members of the um, circus group and uh, she doesn't she once goes after him for his money uh, but really it's it's basically showing that in this movie that the so-called freaks, are the ones who are almost the normal. and every and So it sort of twists the narrative. It turns everything on its head. But the term freak is a very controversial yeah, one. Yeah, it's a right? weird word to be using so much in this, in this it uh, is. context. And basically, the movie was made in the 30s, the, the original movie, Freaks. So things were different back then, of course. And, uh, you know, freak yeah, shows thing- are not, not a thing. and But yet, audiences sort of like to watch movies with these characters you know specifically like the elephant man ones where there's actual characters with you know facial deformity and other things so that's one sort of area of it but yeah that's the whole thing about curing and miracle cures that's one big one that comes out often for sure yeah so the next on the list is the blind guy driving a car and that for me i'm not as carrie said she's not a film buff or whatever but she's definitely watched more movies than i have <laughs> i've watched a bunch in my day but i'm not 
as familiar. I, I enjoy writing film reviews on my blog and different things, and I do enjoy film criticism. Um, One thing that comes up in the, in the documentary is the fact that some people are like, I don't want to have to think. Like, you're making me think too much about a movie. Movies should just be entertainment, pure and simple. But that's not necessarily well, the Well, movies can be both. Some, but, and, it can be but, both. And, 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 but on the other hand, things. a movie may not you might not realize that it's making you think but if if a movie portrays these negative stereotypes towards disabled people you might just be like oh i'm just entertained it's a movie whatever but you still are taking um yep um a viewpoint from that and it isn't influencing your opinion on on disabled that's why that's why we have this show and that's why i talk about these things it's like using blind blindness in in everyday language oh you're what are you blind you're blind to that, right? Like people will think, well, so, you know, everything, you take something too seriously or look too deeply into it. And that's one way to look at it. But at the other way, like we say, these things do make their way into society and we have come a long way. But I think I like this documentary and, and I think it shows that we still have a lot still to do. Yeah. So back to the blind yeah, guy driving sure a car <laughs> right away. That made me think of the movie Scent of a Woman, which there was a clip yeah. of that in the in the trailer as well that you just heard a few minutes there ago. Was. That was a movie that we watched quite a few times growing up. We got the descriptive VHS tape back in the 90s. And <laughs> that did happen in that movie, Al Pacino playing the... Um, it's a famous scene, right? He goes and rents this... Was it Ferrari? I think so. Uh, <laughs> so the two big scenes in that movie, if people uh, listening here have seen that, are the um, tango scene. And the car scene, and it's showing a lot of things that people might would think blind pe- a blind man couldn't do, right? And of course, the other thing about people who are blind or have gone blind, who have maybe had their license when they were younger and then they went blind or have never been able to drive, it's a fascination for sure. Uh, this, you know, they're coming out with these self-driving cars, I assume, one day here, and uh, so it's that's a thing. Um, but you know, this one line that he says when he's in the car, you know. Don't blame me, Charlie. I can't see, or I'm blind. Right? Like that's a funny joke we sometimes joke about too. But really, what is it showing about this blind man's life? Yeah, um, I mean, overall, it's that one's not like the worst, but it does kind of. It's it's almost like an easy plot point to be like, oh, the blind man's that can't drive anymore is going to want to drive a car. Like it's kind of seems he's gonna like he's going to want to drive a car. He's going to need a caretaker. That's why the family. Um, find him this young guy to sort of go go with you know well they don't know he's going with him to New York but but anyway there's one line also that they had there in the trailer that always made me really emotional when we watched the movie I don't know about you probably not as much but anyway it's a very powerful line there he's he's yelling it no what I heard life? It. yeah I heard it I got the, no life in the trailer, I'm in the yeah. dark here yeah and that's and just that's a and again that that, that movie in general shit. is is it is a tricky one because yeah it's about this this guy who's blind who went blind he wasn't originally blind for anyone who hasn't seen it but um he just he's so depressed and you know he almost kills himself and it's it's just a uh, again it's not that there aren't bl- blind people out there that are depressed too so it's not it's not that these things are totally um bad to be in movies but it's kind of it's an easy target and it's it's still kind of um makes people think oh it must be miserable being blind and it can still exactly continue those we, stereotypes it doesn't make for as good a movie perhaps we need more movies with characters who are blind who you just get to see doing everyday things they're married they have a they have kids they have a job they you know 
they speak with their neighbors, they cook, they clean, they, they do everything. And in movies like Scent of a Woman, um, you see a, main, a man who's in pain, of course, you know. But, th- yeah, it's a very dramatic, very dramatic movie in, in a lot of ways. But The Miracle Worker is the other big one about blindness. And I watched that one growing up a lot. And I thought the acting was one- wonderful for, you know, it came out in the 60s. So The Miracle uh, Worker, for anyone who doesn't know, is about um, Helen Keller, but specifically her, um, the, the lady that helped her. Yeah, it basically shows the life that Helen Keller was living before Ann, Ann Sullivan came to her life. And it is a very um, dramatic story. That's why it's stood the test of time. Um, but what, what they point out in the documentary, there's one thing I didn't realize. The scene, there's a, the first, one of the first scenes where Ann and, and Helen meet they um, interact, and then Anne just takes El- Helen's um, Helen's hand and starts to show her letters in in sign language, just to, just to get her introduced to it. And somebody in this documentary, Code of the Freaks, points out that 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 what she's doing in that movie isn't even real correct sign language. And I I was shocked when I heard that. I thought, what? You and know, that, that's that again, just it, it ex- shoddy research. Yeah, it exemplifies how these filmmakers put these films together and this is another big point we'll get into um we're almost coming up here in the halfway point to take a little break but um how oftentimes the writers of these movies aren't have no disabilities the most times the actors don't either um and so these people don't do proper research and they they kind of don't always it can these things can get overlooked um so i mean they say they do and 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 a lot of times they don't do any it's just if, if you're not actually disabled or you don't have any of these um, life, like the, you don't live your life like that, you're going to miss certain things or you're just not even going to be aware of certain things. Or, and all the research in the world won't necessarily tell you what you need yeah, to Yeah, research know. still doesn't compare to actual experience, obviously. So, um, yeah. So yeah, and uh, I guess we're coming up here on the halfway point. So let's take a little break and we'll be right back with more Outlook here on 94.9 CHRW Radio Western. You are listening to Outlook here on Radio Western. Welcome back. And today we're talking about the documentary Code of the Freaks that premiered this year. Carrie got a chance to watch it. Virtually, unfortunately, I did not. But um, I did read a bunch about it. And we're talking about it on today's show. Now, in before the promos and the first half of the show, we did reference this movie that that um, inspired the title for this movie and the overall concept, I think, to some degree. Um, and this movie was called Freaks from 1932. Um, so I figured maybe we'd just play a little clip of it just to give people a bit of an idea. That scene that you referred to earlier. Yeah, it's one that people will, a lot of people will recognize. I, I believe I heard a parody of it in The Simpsons. Yeah, so there's the chanting that Carrie was referring to, and it is it is kind of scary sounding. Um, well, this movie Freaks is, I mean, somebody might, someone might class it as a horror film. There is, it has a gruesome ending. 
Um, but I read it as more, and the term that's actually used is macabre, which it's something that's sort of repellent to watch. It's the whole voyeurism or um, disability porn, as we've termed it on this show before, is a common term now. It wouldn't have been in the 30s, but uh, yeah, it's sort of, you know, having a view into this other life that one of us, one of us, people, you find that whole scene intimidating. If a, if a group of anybody came up to you and said that, that would be intimidating, I think. Yeah, now this this movie from 1932 called Freaks, you might you can look it up on your own time. It's a little complicated. We didn't, neither of us actually um, watched it, and it's... Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's... um. It's an older movie, and reading the plot was a little complex, but basically it it used the quote-unquote freaks as as the main characters in a lot of ways, and the even though it originated as this um, character, Cleopatra, was trying to get this dwarf's money um, <laughs> and, and stuff like that, it ended up um, not working out and kind of being uh, firing back on her. And at the end, <laughs> it did not work. The, the character Cleopatra—I can't even say this word right now—Cleopatra and Hercules are both um, in rough shape at the end, and one of them is almost turned into a um, a, a freak for a sideshow. So it, yeah. it, it and it and it also does show these um, circus performers doing regular domestic life, like regular things. Well, so the bearded lady has a baby, and they all celebrate. Yeah, so it is kind of a for its time it seemed like it was ahead of its time and it it did it did sort of um change perspectives or at least basically a lot of these movies that have been made in the last hundred years with characters with disabilities in them they like um at first sight for example they use the character with the disability as a not a secondary character exactly but one that's gonna inspire the able-bodied character to greatness or teach them something that they didn't know before which it's great to learn from everybody. I like to learn from people. Learning from each other is what, you know, society should should want to do. But, you know, a lot of these movies. And so this movie is, if you're going to have a sideshow at a circus, most of the people there are going to be the ones that have these disabilities. So they are the majority in that case, right? And basically, Disney, over the years, used disability in a way that we weren't thinking. You know, hunched back witches ugly deformities in these certain characters and they were always seen as the evil character the bad one whereas sometimes it's good to switch that up right yeah and and in this movie that was the case because that the the character the cleopatra who was uh, beautiful was the one who um you know she was she was trying to yeah she was evil she was trying to steal this quote unquote it's another word weird word using dwarf but um to to take his inherit kill him and take his inheritance like there were so many um it, it was such it a sure different yeah it sort of spun things around and changed the um expectations or what people might expect to see in these in these films so yeah um maybe going through the rest of these tropes that we were on just to um sum up some of these things that come up in films the magical yep. little people we talked briefly about that well, Wizard of Oz is, of course, the most common um, movie people think of when they think of, um, you know, the Munchkins, which were, I think, you know, they were all little people who who were the actors in that mo- in that movie to play those parts. Whereas in like The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, they would do film tricks that we have these days to make actors look smaller, right? So there's different ways of doing that. But. 
so basically one of the uh, critics or advocates who speaks in this documentary, she is a little, a little, a little woman and she comments that little person and she comments that uh, magical thinking, that's what is put into it. So a lot of little characters are made, like I said, in fantasy stories into dwarves and elves. So in, in movies in general, that's the trope that goes along with little people. And it, she just makes a comment how she 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 feels like in in real life people almost expect her to be magical. And of course, that's not you know maybe that's so literal, but you know she's just she she says she worries that people think that she's magic when she's just like anyone else, really. You know she does everything everybody else does, just sometimes in different ways. But so the next one that came up in the trailer, which relates to us, is the face feelers. Yeah, that's what we're called. That's. That's something I think we have probably brought up on the show before a little we bit. We have, yeah. But it's a common thing where people think, oh, you're blind. You want to feel my face to know what I look like. Well, in in The Miracle Worker, she does. Uh, I, I've read a lot of historical stuff about Helen Keller's life. Um, and I can't really recall if that was, you know, for someone who's deaf and blind, Helen Keller used to feel, put her fingers on someone's neck, on their chest, uh, and that's the, And that's the thing about any stereotype that people exactly. bring out is that, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist at all. And uh, some people, th- there are some blind people out there that probably do like feeling someone's face if they meet them. Um, it's based in reality. And Helen, you, what in the movie, for sure, she felt her teacher's face to see, you know, if she had a frown or a smile. So, you know, that's a thing. Yeah, and but if you can't talk either, then yeah, it would be a little bit, or you can't, I mean, she did learn to talk a little bit. Helen it's one of those but... easy, easy character but again, yeah, to give a blind character. it's an easy thing to just throw in there when really, if you did enough research, you might realize that it's not quite that common. Like, for example, Carrie and I both commented before, we don't really feel people's faces. And in a time of the, like we're living Especially through now, right yeah, now, it's a of different, course, but... we don't want society thinking that blind people always like to feel your face. We, we won't do that in covet times, I promise. Yeah, so there's just a couple more here listed. The, the sexless, which we already kind of touched on. Yeah, so there's a movie. Well, there's a movie example for that one um, that I, um, I'll bring up. It's called The Sessions. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, Helen Hunt is in it. Uh, I watched it a few years back. I watched it without description. So, you know, I might have missed some things. It's basically about a man who is um, paraplegic. No, he's probably quadriplegic. Uh, and he hires a... Th- sex therapist so it's based on the you know the whole thing that maybe he's never had sex and he wants to experience it like anyone would and this character helen hunt helps do that and so that's considered i guess taboo for some people you might not you know whatever but basically it's this thing where in the story she kind of falls for him but it's based on this thing where with people who need caretakers like those in wheelchairs um you know, it becomes like a, the issue of independence or dependence comes into it, which is a big thing, a big stereotype, a big stereotype a lot of people with disabilities have to fight and with themselves and with society, right? But basically, it's the thing about we don't want to know that people with disabilities have sex lives or we don't want to see it on screen, or yet maybe we do, and it's a sort of a voyeuristic thing. But it depends on how it's interpreted, so... So I'm giving people examples of movies that maybe they've seen, if maybe they haven't, if you have, or if you haven't, you want to check it out and maybe you watch it in a different way, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, just change your perspective a little bit maybe on it. And, mm-hmm. um, and then the, the, last, the last trope that they mentioned in that 
in the synopsis there was the better off dead, which is a pretty extreme yeah. one. It's um, a good one to end on, on a trope list. Yeah, um, basically there was a movie that came out uh, about five years ago. I don't know if you remember. It was all over the news and disability advocacy world. It was everywhere. Um, it was called Me Before You. And it was a ba basically a novel um, based on a novel that was pretty big. But yet a lot of people found it very problematic because it's, like I say, it's one of those times where uh, a man, it, he was um, he was born able-bodied and he has an accident and he's a very athletic guy. So it was hard when he, he ended up in a wheelchair, you know, that he couldn't do some of the things he used to do. But in the movie, his caretaker and he fall in love, which I pointed out with Sessions in a way. Um, and it ends with him ending his own life and leaving her inspired to go and do great things. And she begs him to stay and be with him and be with her, but he just finds that he can't live, he can't go on. Which, like we say... It's not like there's never depression or suicide in the disability world, but it's not the most like, common way. Yeah, I mean, it's sure anyone who who has some sort of disability, things might in some degree are a little are more difficult in some ways. But um, still, it's like any population of any any um, group of people where there's still a percentage of anyone who has depression. <laughs> Um, there's yep. a lot of blind people that don't, so it's lots of things can cause depression. Disability might be one of those things, or traumatic, sudden accidents that 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 bring on disabilities. Um, of course, can be difficult things to get through. Um, but there are just as many. There's so many people like us, you and me, um, who are living good lives. One of the movies that also affected me really strongly when I saw it was X Men. Now, you can just watch those movies for the pure entertainment value, or you can look deeper into it that, obviously, these are people... Have you seen those movies, Brian? I don't remember. Yeah, I did a long time ago. Yeah. Well, basically, it just... it The whole thing about eugenics comes up a lot, which is a common belief that was popular specifically in the beginning of the 20th century, but even today it persists. Um, you know, that, that we want... Like I said, we want... Beauty, characters who are beauty beautiful in, in movies are more wanted and anything that's makes you want to look away is considered not right so um but yeah i mean so there are characters in movies sort uh have you seen um rain man uh, no, I don't think so. As I yeah. said, I'm probably not the best person for this discussion because you've you've seen more movies than me, like I had mentioned earlier. And but um, you're still good at having these conversations. Yeah. No. If you, so if anyway, you that's that, that's or, an you know. example of a, a movie with a character with with um, um, mental delay, right? Like he has autism, so different um, conditions. Um, so that's one of the kind of movies. And then, like I said, The Elephant Man is a good example of a movie yeah, of, a, that one. of someone who's deformed. Uh, and in that one, too, that's sort of a he ends his own life in that movie. He lays his head back on his pillow. And he, he so he was never able to lay down flat to sleep because all of his. Um, I don't know what, what they are, tumors or whatever they were. Um, it was so heavy that it would have crushed it crushed him like it he couldn't breathe anymore. So as soon as he laid down, he, he wouldn't be able to breathe. So that's how he ended his life. Right. So it, it, it's persists in a lot of movies, that trope too. And it's very dramatic. So it makes for a good movie, but it's, um, 
very upsetting when you see that's the only representation you're getting on movie in movies is that your life is not is unbearable. I would love to write a novel that will help progress disability in 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 our society. I want to write one that has has disability in it not in some of the negative ways we've discussed but in a very positive way. Uh, and and you know that's not easy to do because like I said we all have even me who's blind I have my own internal ableism inside me. So it's it can be difficult to have to face some stuff like that and and find out the best way to portray it but um but yeah, I mean, one of the one of the um, critics in it points out a movie's like there's something about Mary. Have you seen that one? I'm <laughs> just quizzing you now. <laughs> yeah, now now the listeners are gonna think I'm uh, I don't know anything. Like, what? <laughs> Where have you been living under a rock? I've heard of um, it, but I. <laughs> that's a stereotype too that blind people don't watch movies, right? And that's not true. It's not true. Carrie's Carrie's blind. I mean, you did used to be able to see a little bit more than me, um, yeah. which. Might have been part of it because you could see the movies, but at the same time, there are there definitely are people who. No, it's just everybody has different interests. Sometimes movies are not at the top of that list. But um, something about Mary, I watched it, and I'm no expert on that movie either. I saw it when it came out. We I rented it with uh, in high school, and um, I've seen it a few times since. But it's not my favorite movie. People seem to love it. It's a comedy, and it's what it's considered a slapstick comedy. Um, but the the one critic points out that he liked that movie. Some people might have seen, because there's a character in that that pretends to have a disability. Um, and then he sort of, you know, he acts in a way so that he's trying to make people believe he has a disability. Um, and so you could watch that and think the way he portrays it is not a good, not putting disability in a good light. But the one critic found that movie funny and entertaining. And he said, there's a scene where the character's pretending to fumble around for his keys. Um, and of course, when I drop something... I can't see where it went, so I have to bend down and feel around. So that's sort of a thing. But he found it funny and, and enjoyable, whereas some people might have found it, you know. Well, that's you know, it, it can be upsetting if you see your if you see characters on screen portrayed a certain way, and you're afraid that that's what people are going to get from that. One of the other things I wanted to bring up that uh, isn't in that list of tropes you mentioned, but is sort of a, a theme. Um, have you have you seen Green Mile? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. This is fun. Um, no, I, so I watched that with our brother Paul once. Um, it's a Stephen King book based on it, so it's got Tom Hanks in it. So there's a black man in that in that movie. He's a prisoner, and he's a very very big man. Um, and he has been he's considered a, a faith, sort of an angel, angelic, sort of a link to God. He can, he can heal people, but yet he's seen as this really big intimidating black man right so what they point out in this documentary is that for instance blind women in in movies are portrayed in a certain way very helpless needing to be rescued fumbling around and, and often being chased by someone a serial killer i guess there are a lot of movies of blind women waking up in bathtubs uh you know this kind of horror scene um whereas blind men are often given superpowers like we said magical powers for little people. And another, so, you know, like, just sorry to interrupt. Character just, Daredevil. Another quick little superpower. I don't know if you've seen it in, mo- in movies specifically for an example. Probably. But the, the the big one that any everyone probably knows about or probably thinks is even true is, oh, you're blind. You can hear much better than everyone else. And that's like an well, obvious exactly. kind of one. But it'd that's be like, a, oh, you have super hearing. When yeah, really so we're, we're just 
I've said this many times and I feel like I'm just a broken record by saying it all the time. But, um, it's the whole thing about we don't hear any better. We're just a little more focused on hearing because we can't, we're not spending our time looking around. So we have to be more in tune with our hearing, but we're not actually Superman or Superwoman. Yeah. So it's considered, I mean, that that's looked at as a superpower and you can turn that into a superpower in a movie. It, you know, it's sort of a figure of speech, you know, but yeah, that's an example. But really, you know, you know, black uh, black men are, have always been considered intimidating in society, scary. You're afraid of the black man, right? Which is a terrible stereotype. So then, um, the character in Green Mile, you know, he's actually a really, really sweet man underneath, but he's just so really, you know, where so it's a gender thing, it's a disability thing, um, it's everywhere. But uh, that's another one I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Um, so you're. Um still listening to Outlook here on Radio Western. We are talking about the movie Code of the Freaks, the documentary film. And we've got about 10 minutes left on today's show. So yeah, what else, what else uh, from this documentary did you, did you make note about or did you want to touch on? Um, I thought we could maybe discuss the inspiration, the quote unquote inspiration porn. <laughs> That, yeah. um, that we uh, touched on earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Disability comes into movies, like I've said, in, in, in big ways and small ways. So you got big ways like, uh, you know, like Scent of a Woman. That character has a very big personality, and, you know, and so a lot of the, the blindisms, as you might want to call them, he just, you know, displays in that movie are just very in your face, right? Um, but... They're very subtle ones too. Yeah, and like a, a big point of this of, of these article this the article that I read about this and as well is is how not that blind people aren't main characters and if, if they are they generally are you know they either get cured or they um they're super powers or this and that um but oftentimes if there is someone in, in a movie just wanted to point this out if there's a, someone dis, uh, with a disability in the movie there there's only one generally. Just an interesting stat that I read, whereas 20%, approximately 20% of Americans, just for the purpose of this th mm -hmm. article that I read, have some sort of disability. So it seems weird that when there is someone with a disability in a movie, it's usually only one person. They can be a main character. Oftentimes they are just a sort of a side character. Um, and yeah, they're just kind of brought in briefly and not really presented in a good good light. Well, as I said, they're always there to sort of inspire the able-bodied characters to greatness, or they are considered as... So, for very subtle things, like in Harry Potter, right? When you see it um, fan in, in a fantasy film, you're seeing a dwarf, or a in Harry Potter, for example, you're seeing goblins. You're seeing elves. And um, in those movies, they are treated like second-class citizens. But really, you can just look on the surface and see a goblin. And, and that magical character seems interesting-looking. It, it acts differently. Maybe it's, you know, it's got its own... So you don't necessarily realize that that's reference to disability if you're not looking deep enough, I think. Some people might not. Yeah, and that's the Whereas big point. When you is see a movie that's that's fictional, but yet it's based on a true story of a of a of a person who actually lived with a disability. It's a bit different. Yeah, and that's the point is that these these um, little people in movies that um, are are magical and stuff like that. People don't even 
even realize it or they don't think about it in the sense of um but but then it still does translate over to real life it's like what they say some a lot of people would say oh i watch a movie for entertainment and it's not a good form of education and yeah it's better to it's good to read a book and actually get proper education than just for movies but the, the fact of the matter is the average person ends up watches more movies and it's it's just it's commonplace so you are going to get educated from them even if you don't think you are or you're not intending to yeah, well, the point is that, that we need to have interactions in, in our real lives. IRL is the common term online nowadays. <laughs> so people don't, don't want to write out that those three words. But, um, yeah, it's basically the point is to not spend all your time watching movies, but yet get out in the world and actually meet people with disabilities. And I think more people have them that, that you probably know than you realize. Just there's so, you know, there's so many different kinds. But, um, but basically another way to word it, if you want, if you don't, well, it's pretty similar, but it's what they used in the documentary. So a- another way of saying um, disability porn, you can say, they said it's the pornography of difference. Right? So it, you just want to look in, inside someone else's world for a while, and that's what watching movies is. So part of that is going to be disability, and that's why there are so many examples out there that I could I could mention. Right, like in the in the movie um, Forrest Gump, which I think you have seen, maybe a long time ago. Yeah, I've seen the char- the character is born with a problem with his legs, and he's 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 got braces on when he's a kid, and eventually, one of the people's favorite scenes, and it's it is a great scene in that movie, is where he just starts running. He runs to the to the coast, then he turns around and runs again, and people ask him why are you running, and he just keeps running. Um, but basically, he had to throw off his braces. Um, and then all of a sudden he's a man who's able to run across a country, right? So it's, <laughs> a lot of these things aren't that practical. Or yeah, it's a little more. extreme and exaggerated, but that's, yes. that's common enough in, in movies and stuff, things there's that's a, a lot of hyper- hyperbole and um, to really emphasize something. But yeah, I think, I think we need movies like this and we need to keep critiquing movies for how disability is portrayed. Uh, and that's why I wanted to do this show today because I just... Like you say, sometimes it feels like we're, 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 you know, broken records on some of these things. But really, that's how you get the word out there. I don't know. Yeah, and it's I don't a, know any other way to do it. A big, a big part of it is, is are things getting better? And in mm-hmm. some ways, people think they are. Like the, the movie that we talked about a few weeks ago, A Crip Camp, is another new, or another new one that came out that, um, that again, focuses on people with disabilities and, and does bring this, this stuff more to attention. So... It's still a gradual change, but... Well, what it's done is that basically 100 years ago, 80 years ago, whatever, a lot of movies, as I say, were, you know, Frankenstein, certain movies that have Phantom of the Opera as a story, you know, a man with a, you know, terrible face deformity. And and, and it started out whereas a lot of these things would be sort of portrayed as, as... monstrous so monsters were a common theme as i say in disney with a lot of their evil villains and then it nowadays you see less of that uh like you said if you want to see how far we've come nowadays when you're making a new movie you wouldn't you wouldn't i think that stereotype is less in movies now it's not so easy just to say oh yeah here's the monster in our movie and he's the one with the deformity of some kind and people are afraid of him and of course that's part of disabilities feeling like people are afraid to approach you, afraid that they're going to be, 
you know, basically because it shows them vulnerabilities that maybe they could end up uh, end up with that disability one day themselves and how scary that is to them, right? And what, what the kind of life they might think they would have if they too had a disability one day. But they could, of course, easily become disabled. Yeah, and I mean, it's um, it's one of those things where it's no doubt things have changed from 100 years ago, you know, with the, the, the part that they talk about um, in this documentary that when they touch on um, institutions, oftentimes yeah. that would be a, oh, the such the blind person finally went to, was accepted into this school for blind people, or I don't know, I was just thinking of a <laughs> generic example. But like, well, it, in Rain Man, he ends up going back to his group home, where his, his institution where he feels, you know, everything's routine and he knows what to expect. And um, it's kind of like the safe ending to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're back here. When really, that's, that's when really. If you study history of institutions, you'll see that it was not all rosy. But that's the right? difference um, th- these days, where th- those things are getting looked into a bit more. And these, in these, uh, even then in the news recently with these, it's a little bit different. But the the care homes and stuff. Yep. Um, well, there's all of lots this of stuff, disability there. Yeah. So all of the stuff is getting looked into more and more these days with with the internet and just more information out there. So overall, it is it is improving, I think, but it's a very gradual improvement and again it comes down to the the simple thing of the inspiration um inspiration porn as the someone um coined it in a ted talk that you um i heard about but um it's the whole idea about people being inspired by someone with a disability doing something that's just a normal thing that anyone can do and is not really inspiring like you know we've talked about it before but it's like getting a cab before in the past and i open up the door and they're like wow you found that door really quick like Simple things like that, which people don't intend it to come off like that, but it does. It comes off like, you know, it's how am I ever going to get hired at a job if people are just inspired the fact that I can open a door. So yeah, it's it's all expectations and society's overall it's still it's still there pretty, pretty heavily for disa- disability blind people in our case. It's still quite prominent, but it's good well, that the these... Question- the These question they ask in this exist. documentary is what's what is considered a happy ending for someone with a disability or a character with a disability right and like we said there are a lot of things that that were used in the past but if if we actually wrote a movie now i you know we need more of that so you and i should go out and write a script maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah maybe that's our next step all right. Well, I think we're coming to the end here. I don't know if there's any final thoughts you wanted to share. Definitely, for listeners, look up the uh, documentary, Code of the Freaks. Eventually, it will become available, I'm sure, for others to watch. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's any final thoughts. You've been listening to Outlook. Yeah, I'm on my way to becoming a full-fledged film critic here. <laughs> I can specifically be a disability film critic. All right. No, um, yeah, well, thanks for having this discussion with me, you know, without having seen the movie or there yeah. are all, there's always movies not either of us haven't seen, so it's fine. Okay. Maybe feel a little bit silly, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. Whatever. Um, we just wanted to, I just wanted to quickly congratulate um, our um, Ontario Canadian Federation of the Blind um, chairman, I guess he is, right? <laughs> Yeah, you don't even remember what he is. 
Well, it's been a, it's been a while. He's had other things on his mind. Um, anyway, he just became a father the other day. So congratulations. Uh, little Jocelyn is now in the world. So that's exciting too. I can't yeah, wait this, to is, this is our good friend, Eric, who has been on the show a long time ago. We'll have to have him back sometime. And there he, you go. He time. He's, a bl- he's a blind man who's got a daughter now. And yeah, that's so exciting because to... he's our friend. But uh, we would like to have him on in the future and ask him how he's doing with fatherhood because it's a learning curve. Even if he's been very self-sufficient and everything else all his life, now is a different ballgame altogether. So. Yeah, so con- congratulations to Eric and Brianna. He's going to be a great dad. And yeah. uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.